0: All right, good afternoon. Today is Friday, June 5th, and this is Learn Digital Advertising's Internet Marketing News. Today, I am joined by some lovely people. I'll start by introducing them. Mr. William Ash, the Chief Digital Officer of Today's Business. How are you doing, Billy?
1: I'm doing well, Rick. Thanks so much for your time today and having us.
0: Very good. And Amanda Hatton, a lead digital or social strategist at Today's Business as well. Welcome on board.
2: Thank you, Rick. Thanks for having me.
0: And Tommy O, oh, the CEO of today's business.
3: What's <laughs> up? Well, so,
0: giving us a little time today. Thank you all very much. Um, you know, we staged uh, five or six different news topics to run through and uh let's just jump right in. We've got some exciting stuff. And I, I think the theme at the beginning of uh you know this news segment is really just Facebook catering to the virtual world. And uh you know the first thing I wanted to ask you guys about, uh, you know, Facebook venue, we're gonna look at venue, collab, and uh I think it was a Facebook rundown, the third one there. Um, I think I might have that wrong. I'm sorry, Messenger, messenger Rooms. rooms. Um, tell me a little bit about venue, guys, and what what's going on with this? What is this feature, and why do we care as advertisers? Or do we care?
2: As advertisers, I don't know if we care yet. As a sports fan, I don't know if I care yet. Um, NASCAR has partnered with Facebook for this. They actually launched something on... May 31st. They had a whole uh, NASCAR, I guess, race, I will call it. Um, and they had it streamed live through Facebook's new venue app. So this is a completely new app. It's not on Facebook at all. You have to sign up for it, which it doesn't give you the option to actually sign up through Facebook, which is kind of weird in my opinion, but... It is what it is. Um, But it's basically like if you were sitting at home on your couch watching um, NASCAR and say you're scrolling through Twitter and kind of using that as a live feed, Facebook put it all together in this one app. So what they really want to do is what they've been trying to do since the inception of Facebook is bring people together. And I think just the fact that people aren't together right now, they're doing everything that they can to bring people together through technology. And obviously they want people to use their platform. So as sports are coming back, I think this is definitely something that we can see grow, but right now it's all about NASCAR.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, with Venue, uh, the NASCAR scenario is definitely one. It'll be interesting to see what they're doing. Obviously conferences have changed. Uh, for their foreseeable future? Does this expand into conferences and breakout sessions and conferences? Is is that where they're thinking about it? Um, Is this just their way to see if they can get people to watch Facebook TV without actually being on Facebook? Um, It would be interesting to see where they actually go with it. Uh, I think Amanda's point that it's a completely different app. Uh, I wonder the thought behind that. Uh, I know multiple apps I know some stories of multiple apps that have added, you know, actually added Mark to their beta. And in six months, Facebook just released that through Facebook. Uh, So this was just one of those things where I was like, ooh, what are they doing there? What's, you know, the method behind the madness? But it will be interesting for sure. I think the events uh, and the virtual events, it, it will be a really interesting area for that.
0: And and in a nutshell, is this something that anybody who's live streaming basically on Facebook can engage with, or is it like a it is beta right now?
1: Right now, it's beta. Okay. From what we've what I've been able to find.
0: All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, let's Maybe talk about.
1: Maybe we we'll host one of these things on there.
0: <laughs> like an easier process than the one we're using now would be very. nice. <laughs> so uh, Facebook Collab, uh, you know, basically also invite only beta. Uh, make music together. Uh what are they doing?
2: I think this is their way of trying to compete with Billy's favorite um TikTok. <laughs> uh-huh. I feel like I feel like they could do better personally, but I think it's more of competing or less of competing with TikTok, but more of getting people together. Cause in what I've seen, you know, the videos that they show to promote it, it's like three people, you know, each playing a musical instrument kind of, you know, doing their thing and making music collaboratively, which I think is different from TikTok. It's more, you know, just you recording yourself doing, you know, whatever dance is popular this week. But
0: (laughs) I mean, it's just like a virtual jam session, basically.
2: That's what it looks like. It's, again, supposed to be a completely separate app.
3: I think it's also their attempt to start attracting more collaborators and creators. I mean, I think it's going to be a big way for them to start segueing. I mean, anything that Facebook really does right now, I mean, especially when they start breaking things down to individual apps, is more about trying to steal like market share, you know, and, and it's a it's strategic business move similar to like why they opened up the venue app is because, you know, Twitter dominates right now in the sports streaming. And they, you know, they have such an older demographic that are always on Facebook, hence every single one of our parents are probably on Facebook a tremendous amount of time and and engaging with it more than any of us um, in particular. So I think that's something that's going to be, they're just trying to steal market share and getting more collaborators on the platform, especially because they're going to be opening up a lot more ad revenue towards collaborators.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Tom. I think this is all about trying to get that influencer back on Facebook. Uh, the influencers are on Instagram. They're there, uh, but they're leaving, right? They're going to TikTok. They're going to different areas. And I think this is Facebook's way to say, hey, come back. We're, we have all this new technology where you can actually do three TikTok videos in one or whatever the heck people are going to end up doing on collab. But I think that's really what it is. It's, we have a different technology that allows you to influence in a different way. It's not just you in front of a video with a camera and some background music. Uh, and I think that's where collab once again, and and Facebook's trying to go. I will say though, once again, is this Facebook trying to increase their market share by not, and not trying, or like tricking us not to think that we're signing up for Facebook?
2: (laughs) Probably.
0: See, my mind goes a completely different direction with this where I'm wondering two things. One, who owns the music that's created on this platform? And does Facebook have a piece of that? And two, is that ever going to get monetized? So if there's a virtual jam session, I mean, I love the idea. And I'm not not familiar with collab yet, but the idea of just grouping with someone who you'd never get together and play music with, right? And all of a sudden now, all this new music comes out as a result of that. And, you know, who owns that? Do they help you monetize it? Is there a revenue share model? Um, Very new, but uh, really interesting. And uh, the fact that the technology is there to actually jam in real time, you know, just with bandwidth alone and delays and everything um, definitely definitely cool pretty
2: cool yeah, yeah. I signed up for the wait list so we'll see <laughs> we'll see if I get accepted and we'll let you guys know what it is you, and maybe can do something
0: is it the ukulele that you play
2: <laughs> I don't play anything but if I if I am special Albel? enough, if I'm special enough I will find something even if it's just a wooden spoon and a pot that I got in my kitchen I'll make do
0: <laughs> <laughs> triangle Nice. (laughs) All right, messenger rooms for groups and events. Uh, And and we'll jump into some more, uh, I think, marketing-related stuff. But real quick, what's going on with this?
2: It's interesting, in my opinion. It's similar to what Collab is, where it's um, the whole getting together with people that you wouldn't normally get together with. Like say I want to have a happy hour with my friends on a Friday and I send them a Google Hangouts link. You can do the same thing with messenger rooms or you can create a room, pick a certain amount of people that you would want to join and it's kind of just on top of your news feed there like, hey, Amanda's room is open if anyone wants to come hang out. So it kind of like gives you the opportunity to like, hmm. hang out with people that you normally wouldn't. Good I don't joke. know how I feel about that. I don't think <laughs> ever do it. Even if I could pick, like, you know, you could um, take your crazy uncle off of that list if you don't want him, you know, <laughs> popping into your room at that time. But even still, like, do I want to go through 500 Facebook friends and narrow down, like, if they wanted to come into my room? You know, like, I just, I don't know. I'm not about it. It's interesting. It's kind of their take on, you know, like Google Meets and Zoom and all of that stuff right now. But I think their biggest thing is like, this is not video calling. But I mean, it is video calling.
3: (laughs) It's also interesting to see that how fast Facebook responded to the whole like, everybody trying to get on a Zoom call or everybody trying to get on a Google Hangout. Um, I know they saw, like, an increase of, like, just video chats or group video chats, like, around, like like, a near increase in, like, 90 days of a thousand percent. So I think the whole messenger room aspect of thing was an answer to that. And for, like, a (laughs) <laughs> for like even like a small business like, you know, today's business, it's interesting to see Facebook starting to adapt to that world to make it easier for like, you know, is there a play maybe to get easier for on the business front and start offering things for like small business aspects that like, you know, don't give these things away for free <laughs> compared to everybody else. Um, as long as there's a way they can make money on advertising or whatever it may be. But it's interesting to see that move come so quickly too.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing, about the messenger rooms is one, I I will say that uh, that app that I talked about that included Mark Zuckerberg in their beta version was a group messaging app where you can just log into a random room and chat with people. So you call us maybe a spade a spade. Um, I think Tom's right. Uh, Facebook launched Facebook for business uh, years ago but they don't have any video services for that, so I think this helps them roll this out into video. Uh, the other thing that this actually allowed them to do, which was weird that, and not almost weird that I didn't even know that you couldn't, but apparently you could never have video chatted through desktop on Facebook until this. So I thought that was kind of weird. Like, who knew that, right? Like, who knew what you couldn't do chat on Facebook messenger. messenger? Only on the app up until this update. So that is... Uh, one of the big things that I think this allowed to roll out, but I will say, there was a decent beta version of an app very similar to this that uh, they let Mark in, and now it's on Facebook.
2: Of course it is.
1: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right, let's, let's... I wasn't in the beta,
0: but... Let's uh, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit and focus on capitalism. Uh, so <laughs> Facebook shops, and this will be the last Facebook store, I promise... Um, uh, maybe Amanda, could you, could tell us a little bit about what's going on? I know Tom, this is something that's near and dear to your heart as well. Um, what's, what's <laughs> going on with shops and how is, how are things changing?
2: So Facebook has always had a shop <laughs> aspect for pages, but this is kind of like the new and improved version of it. So in the past you could upload products to your shop, but it would only direct you to your website to then make the purchase there. Now, Facebook has opened it up where you don't have to necessarily have a website for people to purchase on to have a Facebook shop. So now all of those smaller brick and mortar businesses that now cannot have their doors open still have the opportunity to get their products out there. And it's just, it's available more than just on your Facebook page. You can discover it through Marketplace, which if you're on Facebook and you're trying to buy something, on marketplace Mm -hmm. it's just it literally took what facebook had already and just opened the door so much wider for businesses of really all sizes yeah i mean
3: in my yeah i'm I'm (laughs) sorry i'm jumping to the gun here but uh (laughs) it's uh it's a pretty exciting side of things to see i mean I mean, I know a lot of people, we deal a lot with, uh, you know, e-commerce businesses and some people have their mixed feelings about it right now. Um, it'll be pretty interesting to see the, you know, getting back to the whole business play of things, but like Facebook getting into like transactions um, and, and money, I mean, it's going to be pretty uh, interesting to see how the competitive landscape happens. Like right now, if you think about it, you're you're dealing with a couple of different content management systems, especially with Shopify on the rise and on fire like crazy, that like, you know, this can be an easy way for a small business, especially if they start accepting transactions and doing credit card processing. You're opening up a whole nother revenue stream for first Facebook that can really I mean, it'll be really, really crazy to see as they start getting into that. And I know they're opening up in beta version part of the shop is called like checkout. And there's only a couple um couple of different brands that you actually can check out and do the credit card processing and shipping and ordering processing through Um, you know, the entire shop, like shopping experience you have. Yeah. I mean, it's Mark's jab at Jeff,
1: right? He's got to get, got to fight Amazon. One of these days, you got all the audience there. Why are you not just putting the products that they're buying on a different website right in front of you and taking
0: it? Exactly. And you got, I mean, you got quite honestly,
1: why they didn't do this years ago is besides me. They've been the influencer platform where you can't buy a product on the platform. Makes no sense. Uh, The last thing I will say, the small businesses are are really, uh, this could really help them as Amanda had mentioned, the brick and mirror, those types of things. Uh, Those are really, that could, this could be really big for them, but I think it also opens up that everybody can be the Khloe Kardashian. Now an influencer, if they have a Facebook page, can have it product line. As Amanda said, they don't need to build an entire website. They just put up one product. Make it necklace. You can have a Facebook store now. You can sell that product. They can go on Marketplace. Like There's never been an easier time to release a product into the Marketplace and get some eyeballs on it. Uh, Between this, Google Shopping released last month. uh, I think it's everybody's attack on Amazon. Uh, Everybody saw that everybody's buying everything on Amazon throughout COVID why are they giving up everything just to Amazon? So I think this is all a combat against Amazon um,
2: and a good one. I feel bad for people that have Etsy shops though. (laughs) They're just gonna move them over. I guess they can do both. They're just gonna Uh, move them
1: over. It's uh, a new opportunity, I think.
2: But will people stop shopping on Etsy and start shopping more on Facebook?
0: I think there'll always be, I think there'll always be preferences, but your, your best bet as a merchant is going to be multi-channel. You know, we, you know, we do a lot, obviously we all do a lot in e-commerce. Is there a day that our websites are completely irrelevant? Probably. Uh, Is it soon? Probably not. But to Billy's point with uh, Google, Pinterest, Facebook now, I mean, everyone is jumping into the marketplace, um, you know, realm amazon's eating it up now but i don't i'm a a bit of a pessimist i don't think amazon's going to control it forever i always thought google could squash them and they just haven't done it yet you know like with their they have they have the search volume for it but uh but amazon sort of become the the go-to i mean everyone just goes to amazon and i think in this in the e-commerce space you got to be multi-channel you got to be able to stream it everywhere and that's just where technology comes in you know you have one product it's got to go 20 places it
3: can't just go on your website anymore but I think the biggest thing for those for those brands too and where Amazon's competitive advantage right now is just the fulfillment. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. The fulfillment and the delivery servers are so far ahead of the game, that doesn't mean that a Google is big enough and we could talk about that as a whole nother stuff, topic, but like Google, it, are, they're big enough to be able to do their, the same thing, but to figure out that infrastructure and that logistics aspect of things or Amazon's just so far ahead of them in that aspect that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't think they're always going to be the the number one player in the marketplace. I think You know, we have the Walmarts coming up there too. Uh, they're gonna give them a run for their money. But anyway, maybe we can, maybe we can segue that for another day. I will so, say though, I think the,
1: the audience for a Facebook shop in terms of the merchants are a little bit different. I think it is the SCS. I think it is the smaller businesses, the people that wouldn't put their products up on Amazon because Amazon won't take them or do the distribution for them or they take 30% of their sales. And like, I think some of those things may, as of what I've read, Facebook is not taking a percentage of sales. Amazon does. Yeah. (laughs) For the next year, hopefully. I don't, I think it could corner them a a little (laughs) bit in that market. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Add to that and something that Amanda had mentioned marketplace to me in Facebook is a very successful thing. I commonly buy and sell goods there very successfully and even selling products at a local level, this enables you to not have a brick and mortar and, and actually execute upon that, you know, and it, you know, will, will that become a norm, you know, if you're beginning to buy local or, you know, it's a cultural thing based on where you live, I think, too. But um, it, it's it's interesting. I'm inter- very interested to see where it goes and uh, how to manipulate it. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Let's jump on to Pinterest. Uh, so Pinterest is uh, you know, a similar move um, within the Pinterest app now. Um, you got something called Lens, which is how you sort of search for things. And now with Pinterest, uh, what they had just launched is the ability to do a uh, you know, photo search. And the result set that comes back comes from vendors. Uh, so the two types of vendors right now that are able to actually show their products and match with uh, photo search are any of the uh, sort of certified Pinterest vendors, um, which generally tend to be you know larger vendors, and in addition to that, uh, so what Tom was speaking about a little while ago, Shopify blowing up. You know, Shopify has always had this in with Pinterest. There's always been a partnership where every beta, if you're on Shopify, you pretty much can you know leverage it to over to Pinterest. So. Um this is actually you know a really cool feature. Uh it's a really cool just smooth integration. I actually tested it a little bit earlier, took a picture of my dog, took a picture of some other things. I wasn't thrilled with uh you know its ability to bring back uh really close matches. Um, but uh I I think they had said, you know, the article I'd read on it had said that uh the number of searches have tripled over the past year. So I'm sure the tech gets better. Um the question is, you know, what types of products will really thrive, what types of products will it be really effective at? you know, finding the right match for, um, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, it, it's pretty cool feature um, and just another way that Pinterest is, you know, following with Facebook and everyone else and trying to get into the marketplace uh, and e-commerce and, you know, directly capitalize, not just send traffic off of social media to wherever. Um, so...
1: It'll be interesting to see that because every time we talk to a Pinterest rep, they tell us how much sales Pinterest can send and how how everybody that's on Pinterest has buyer intent and 95%. They give us all those feels. Let's see if we can actually sell some real products on your platform now. I love Pinterest. I think people do go there for product, but I've seen on multiple cases very low return on a Pinterest ad or anything around those lines. So interested to see what it does there. You think Google does it with Google Lens? Um, they got to have more search results.
0: I don't use it. I think their their ability to match photos is, is higher, but uh, I don't use it. Not sure.
2: The only thing that I hate about Pinterest is when I see like a pair of shoes and I click on it and it doesn't take me anywhere. It's like I see these shoes, I want them. <laughs> How much do they cost and where can i buy them so now i'm like thinking if i see a girl on the street and i like her shoes should i just take a picture of her shoes and see if i could pull them up <laughs> <on> uh, <Pinterest? laughs>
0: you, you have homework for next week <laughs>
2: i'll take a walk after this take a picture of yeah. 10 oh, pairs
0: of shoes <laughs> All right, um, just to jump into a little bit of nerdy SEO, and uh, this is news but not news, Um, and this sort of comes from Search Engine Journal, but um, what what Google has recently announced is the concept of a page experience signal. Uh, This has always existed uh, in some format, and and initially what we would look at and think about you know, what, 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 value, what, what does Google value in terms of, you know, rankings um, when it comes to user experience? And these are things like fast load times, mobile friendliness, um, and then secure browsing, that sort of thing. Um, what Google sort of formalized is saying is we have these sort of very specific additional criteria. I'll go through those now quickly. Um, the first is called largest contentful paint. And this is a complicated way of saying um, how long does it take for the main content on the page to load? Um, and this, this all goes back to, all these pretty much go back to load time in, in some way or another. Um, so there aren't huge takeaways here, just more technical clarification, I think. Um, the second piece is the first input delay, and that's basically the amount of time it takes once the page loads for a, usual, a user to actually interact. So if there is a form, a button, a video, or something on page, um, You know, they're trying to you know, gauge how quickly the end user can uh, interact with the page. Um, you know the third piece um, that they're that they're throwing in there has to do with visual stability, which sounds a lot like mobile readiness, and I think essentially it comes to you know as the page size changes, um, you know how how do things shift? How much do things have to shift? That sort of thing between different experiences. So it, it's almost like begging. The wording of it is vague, but it, it's almost like it's almost like they're saying we would really not like the page to completely transform for mobile. We'd like a similar experience in both scenarios. So I don't know if that just means put larger text and don't put a bunch of columns on desktop or, or what Um, I think from the SEO standpoint, what I think about here is that nothing has changed. This, you know, site has to load fast. It has to load well on all devices. Um, You know, keep on keeping on kind of thing, but um, you know, just some clarifications there that we thought we'd bring to light.
1: Do you think in regards to the engagement, uh, this in, would have you set events on Google Analytics a lot higher on the page? Like, I know that's one thing that I've always avoided because it just would destroy my bounce rate, and I don't really get one because an event would fire. But if Google is, like, judging, like, how how you're doing and you're sending, hey, this was a good event, do you think that – I think think
0: they're more like talking about um, page loads, top of the page, there's – Question and three buttons, you know, which of these are you, you know, and they just want to measure how can the end user just click on that? So page loads on mobile. Can they just push that button and something happens or um, are we still waiting for a file in the background to load before that button even engages and does whatever it's supposed to do? Uh, You know, that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, it really just comes down to the same thing. Like we need to focus on, you know, fast hosting, good web development, uh, you know, and making sure, you know, things are just loading quickly. Um, this, I think this is like, you know, again, this part of the whole thing, uh, you know, content is still really important, you know, a lot of other signals, but you know, these are just a little more technical in nature and to me just serve as clarifications.
1: Yeah. I, right. I only last thing that I would say is I, I, I think it does limit the value of those visual builders and those easy. I know one thing that we used to do is in, you know, the, um, Avada's or theme, any, any of those themes or, uh, you know, visual builders. You Careful see, what you say about Avada, pal. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, we've used a lot of Avada. But I was just saying it, it allowed us to make different experiences very easily because you could just hide that element, right? Hide from mobile. And yeah, yeah. You see it. That was so easy. When we code it now, it, it's a lot harder to develop that. But in those theme builders, it was so much easier to just hide one section, show this only on mobile. Uh, I think that's where this actually takes a big hit, because then Google's really going to notice a difference, a difference in an experience.
0: And, you know, I, I would say this, and I'm guilty of this, so I'm going to say it, and I don't ask anyone else to say that they're guilty of it, even though I think everyone is. Um, when you design a website, Google's been saying for years, design it for mobile first, web second. Um, if you actually do that, this is a non-issue because all you're going to do is design something to look really good on a mobile screen and on web, it's just really, you know, big and airy and and light and easy to digest that sort of thing. But since few people actually do that now, we do look at mobile, but we generally don't design for mobile, meaning don't even look at it on desktop until the design is done. Then we'll figure out desktop, you know, and that's, I think there's just a, a way that like, if you actually embrace the concept of mobile first design. Um, this is not going to be an issue for you, but I think just many of us are still, you know, we realize cause right. Our conversion rates for e-commerce, right. They're going to be way higher for the most part on desktop. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we don't focus on mobile first. Um, but you know, Google's opinion always is, you know, because majority of traffic is now mobile, you know, that's what you should do. But, uh, yeah, just keep giving those signs, fast yeah. websites, easy to use, multiple devices, straightforward. <laughs> Uh, Let's just uh, jump in quickly to LinkedIn retargeting, a couple new features. Sounds a little bit more like Facebook. Amanda, what's what's this all about?
2: Yes, um, they are doing more engagement type of retargeting audiences, which is definitely new for LinkedIn. Um, So something that's very popular and useful on Facebook is video view retargeting. uh, So you could break it down by the percentage that somebody watched your video. So anywhere from 25% to 100%. And they also have now lead generation forms on LinkedIn. So they've added um, specific retargeting uh, for people that either opened or viewed um, that form too. So pretty neat. I'm excited about it.
0: Is it the kind of thing where your audience is going to stay really small and that follow-up campaign is just going to be something that just moves them down the funnel pretty aggressively? Or I'm thinking of like a lead gen form. I mean, without a monster budget, how big does that audience really get, do you
2: think? That's the thing. And even I've seen that on Facebook too. If you're trying to be super, super specific with that audience, it could be a really good audience, but it could only be 500 people. And then Facebook looks at that as, what am I going to do with 500 people? They're going to see, you know, this ad six times in, you know, two days. Like, do you really want me to do that? And sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is no. But LinkedIn, I feel like it's a little bit different because you there's really only one place for people to see the ads on Facebook when you have that smaller audience. You know, you could hit people on Facebook, Instagram, you know, all of their placements. So it's not that bad when your audience is small, but LinkedIn, it's definitely harder. And even I tried running an ad not that long ago and the audience was way too small. It was like a strict website visitors retargeting and LinkedIn was like, no, we're not doing this. Sorry. Like, (laughs) So it's kind of, but like, that's not bad. If you are, your campaigns are different. Say you are driving people, to your website, you do have a video for them to watch, and you know you do have another campaign with a, a lead generation form. That's three different ways that you can now stack your sure. return audience and try to make it a little bit bigger. So it's it's always trying to use what they have available, but it's what's going to work for you. Because in theory, yeah, if I want to target people that visited my website in the last seven days, or people that watched one hundred percent of my video it may not be that big. So it's, you know, there's, and there's so much that goes into it and I could ramble on for <laughs> six hours about it. But yeah, it is, it is a little bit of a give and take between yeah. what you do and what the platform can do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like to your point, if, if it'll even run, you know, if the audience, is, you know, and if the audience is large enough, it seems like if you have a very targeted audience, you know, you could potentially kill it on that. You could potentially be willing to pay three, four dollars a click on social traffic, which you may not normally want to do. But you know, in that case, if you've got this small audience of very you know particular people in the right position in the right industry, you know, however, um, however you targeted that initial, I guess, audience. Um, but it seems like uh, as long as I'll let you run it, it's good. I was just kind of hesitant because I'm like lead gen forms. I'm like, you're you're targeting like monster advertisers here because you're going to need someone who's got you know thousands of submits a month, and you know, that that ad budget isn't you know. Typical, that's the, that's
1: the 10%, not the, the other 90. Um, but One thing that this did for LinkedIn is it, by adding the engagement retargeting, it also, what they didn't, uh, with that, they've also added a lot of ways to get people to engage. So like different, they've added polls at the end of questions recently. So within the last three mo- or six months, really, they've been doing a lot to get people to actually engage on LinkedIn. So this falls suit, right? Now we're getting people to actually engage. The stats for LinkedIn have been skyrocketing since COVID. Video views, I mean, Rick, we were talking about it before. We don't get more video views than launching a video on on LinkedIn. There's just a ton of them, uh, and they want to promote that. So they came out months ago saying, post videos on our platform, we're going to get you more impressions. Now they're saying, we're going to let you now retarget those people that we asked you to post to. So I think it does get people more. Creative, there's a science behind LinkedIn marketing. There's a science behind the, cre- or the creation of a status of what gets engagement, what doesn't. Uh, and I think this just makes it more. I think previously in social, it was like if you what we did with LinkedIn and what LinkedIn offered was in mails, and somebody with a C in their level or in their level, like Tom and I, we get 16 of them a day from 14 different finance advisors. And personally, I get two companies from outside of the United States that try to pitch me web development services. Uh, you know, like that's what LinkedIn has been. And I think they're finally getting into, wait, if we actually release good content on our website, like people will actually engage with it. That whole social thing rather than just promoting yourself and trying to find a job. Uh, I think they're actually getting social.
0: You know, Something I'd love to see, and maybe we'll take endeavor on this some at some point, but you know, LinkedIn times every ad network. I'm not as familiar with LinkedIn for sure, um, but uh, just getting some sort of recipe and some sort of outline of what is available and keeping that up to date in real time seems so important because, you know, we talk, we're talk. we going to talk about these changes every single week, but there really isn't a roadmap that just sits down and says, look, if, if LinkedIn is your thing, you know, here are your options, here's ways you can leverage it. I mean, it's it, these ad environments are definitely getting more complex uh which keeps us in jobs all right but uh you know just kind of <laughs> trying to keep up with it all is uh crazy but it's it's good to see and uh um you know lots of changes to come uh yeah guys just, billy yeah. oh sorry go ahead Here, i was
1: just gonna say well, the last thing i will say to that in terms of the ad networks and trying to put that is something maybe we can try to put out on lda or something like that because I mean, it's not only how to run the ads on each one of those ad platforms, it's what's the new portion of it. I mean, we were in a social media two weeks ago and I was like, wait, they they allow you now to post real real estate on Marketplace? Like they they now allow that? That, That's a
2: huge- Now they have audiences for it.
1: (laughs) Now you can have audiences. Like that's a huge thing where every week, and if you're not literally staying on top of it, that one little ad feature, it's not like- not every time do, is it a huge rollout like LinkedIn's role, remarketing. It could just be one caveat.
0: Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's so subtle. And I, I just follow Google Ads you know, very intensely, as you guys know. But like they'll release features that aren't even blogged about. A help doc suddenly appears, but it's not like there's no timeline. There's no recent. It's just if you happen to notice some new option on some random screen, 18 clicks in, you're like, wow, I didn't know that was possible. Um, But it's it's
1: super hard to track.
2: That's how I stumbled upon marketplace listing audiences. (laughs) I literally was just making an audience for something completely unrelated today, and I was like, "That's not usually there." I was like, "Oh, okay, that's cool, and that makes total sense." Why would you have that there?
0: The curious mind is rewarded in this business for sure. I'm just (laughs) keep trying. But hey, Billy, Amanda, Tom, thank you all for joining this week. Um, Look forward to you know speaking again next week with some additional news. But um, yeah. Great insight, um, and uh, look forward to talking soon. Thank you all.
1: Thank you, Rick.
2: All right.